What's up, everyone, and welcome back to The Real Deal Podcast. If you're new here, my name is Antonio Moreno, and on today's episode, I'm going to dive into a new topic, something which has been on my heart and I've been wanting to talk about, and there's going to be more episodes like this uh, throughout the throughout the podcast, and uh, it's, it's talking about my relationship with the Lord uh, and God, uh, and I've wanted to now for a while incorporate uh, some episodes talking about my faith and and why I believe that's important. Uh, right now, I'm actually at my university recording this. I've never recorded in an actual, well, it's not really a studio, but it's a study room. And I've never actually sat here and recorded, so I figured today between my work shifts, it would be a great opportunity to record this episode here. And, uh, and uh, I wanted to get this up as quickly as possible as the first episode of the new year. So also, Happy New Year to everyone. It is 2024, uh, Anno Domini, A.D., after our Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, it's amazing to think that it has been so fast how time has flown by, especially in the last year. For me in particular, since high school, I felt that it has almost been it has almost been too fast. It feels like everything has happened in a glimpse, uh, and yet so much and so many things have occurred. It's like my life has been literally jam-packed with things over the last three years, and now I'm a junior in college, and it's almost surreal to think about, uh, and I'm now actually you know, becoming an adult and, and, and starting to grow my own life. And I, I think that's why more and more I've also grown closer to the Lord and I continue to seek that because uh, it's, his, it's his guidance which really provides that sort of, I think, um, that sort of outlet and uh, mindset as well as the wisdom and, and prudence to, to know where you're going and what it is you want in life and, and, and also the way you approach life too. It's extremely important. So... Uh, it's something that I've wanted to talk about now for a while, and I figured for the first episode of the new year, it would be perfect. Uh, and this podcast I'm dedicating to specifically on what are the ways that you can actually reach and strengthen your relationship with the Lord uh, this year, and really to make it a routine for the rest of your life in, in the future. And you know, I just want to point out, these are some things that I've thought of and I've implemented and some of the things that have come to mind when thinking about this topic. But there are an endless amount of ways to make sure that the Lord is present in your life and for you to work on your relationship. This is just some of the ways that I've uh, that I've done to strengthen that relationship. And also uh, the things that have come to mind that I, I think are certainly ones that help uh, and, and sort of lead you in the right direction. Because ultimately... The God of the universe, the creator of this world, who created us out of his image uh, and out of his love, uh, wants to have a relationship with you. And I think that's something that people kind of look over. But it's truly amazing and wonderful and beautiful that the Lord chose us specifically to place us on this earth in a time and place for his greater purpose. And he specifically chose us. And I think that's something that's so overlooked, but it's so beautiful because the Lord of the universe specifically chose me. 
He chose me to be a part of his story. And I think throughout life, you're trying to figure out how do you fit into that story. And that's kind of where I am right now. But certainly strengthening the relationship with God that I have is definitely helping me at this moment and is going to continue helping me throughout my life journey. Uh, and, And so I think it's important that in order to understand purpose in life, in order to understand reasoning, in order to grow in a relationship with the Lord, you need to actually start incorporating God into every part of your life. So just like a friendship with your friends, you have friendship with your friends, uh, you have relationships with your family members, loved ones. If you're dating someone or if you are married, obviously you have an intimate uh, relationship, close relationship with them. So it's it's something that needs to be worked on, right? God is 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 not something that you're like, hey, God, I'm here, and now everything just wonderfully and magically happens. That's not how it goes. And Christ teaches that throughout the Gospels. But we also see that through dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens of stories throughout both the Old and the New Testament uh, of, of how it is important to first have faith and understand that there is a creator that wants to have a relationship with you. And it's from that understanding that you can then begin to grow that relationship. So this is something that needs to be worked on, and it's built over time. For me, I was born in a country in in Spain, very fortunate to have been born in a two-parent household with two loving and caring uh, parents, which the Lord gave me. And growing up in Spain, and I lived there, if you don't know, I grew up there, uh, for nine years, if you're new. I grew up, I was born there, grew up, I went to a Salesian school, Salesian ministry school, uh, and uh, that was the first part of my life journey where I really started to grow my faith. Now, obviously when you're a baby or a toddler, it's difficult to really grasp the understanding or the importance or the meaning behind what God actually is. So you kind of follow the lead of your parents, and, and that's part of the role of being parents, right? Myself as a father and whoever I take to be my wife in the future, you know, that's something that is extremely important to me is we need to understand our role, especially for our child during their earliest years, is that we are the role models. We need to lead them to start thinking about why they need to have a relationship with the Lord. And... I think that's one of the biggest things of, of, of parenthood, and it's something I take seriously, and, and certainly I, I look to implement at some point later on in my life. But when I grew up in Spain, when I was obviously young, I, I went to a lot of churches. I was baptized as a baby, um, and uh, I, was may, I was maybe, I think, about a month, a month and a half. I don't think I even reached two months before I was baptized. I was born on April 5th, and I think my baptism was either late April or beginning, middle of May. So I was baptized literally as around, literally a month old. I was a month old, basically, around then when I was baptized. So from there, my parents obviously took me to church. They read books to me, and I had books which explained the life of Christ, 
uh, also the the story of of you know the Bible, you know many stories such as Noah's Ark, for example, Ten Commandments, Moses, um, and and so that was kind of my first interaction. Then also in Spain, it's an extremely Catholic country. I mean, it's basically the number one. I would say outside of outside of the Vatican, it's probably the number one defender, probably with Italy, and there's a couple other countries, but Spain, in terms of its, you know, tradition and history with the Catholic Church is practically number one. Uh, And there, there is a very old religious practice from the 1300s, and I've mentioned it in previous episodes, but there's a lot of religious processions where there are local religious brotherhoods, which basically in their churches have these religious images of uh, of Christ, of different moments of Christ's life or of the passion or of his resurrection and of those surrounding Christ, his family and obviously his mother, the Blessed Mother. And we process these statues through the streets, most notably during Holy Week, the week between Palm Sunday and Easter Sunday when we remember the passion, death, and resurrection of the Lord. So when I was young, and I was two, three, four, five years old, and I have pictures of this saved on my phone. It's extremely special to me. And we had a balcony at the front of our house, and it happened to be on the street where every day all of the processions during Holy Week would pass by. Every day. We happened to be on a street where every single one of them would pass by every day. So as a toddler, seeing these real vivid statues of Christ dying on the cross, of the sorrow of the Blessed Mother, of the moment and joy which comes from Palm Sunday, as well as the joy which comes ultimately from Easter Sunday because of the resurrection of the Lord. All of that and seeing that as a child was extremely impactful and it was something that I think really made me understand I think the importance of what it was that my parents were bringing me up to believe in and years go by and I've fallen in love with that tradition it's my favorite holiday I don't even know if you would call it a holiday but it's my favorite it's my favorite week holiday of the year uh, holy week It always has been, even more than Christmas. As much as I love Christmas and so many of the other holidays, Thanksgiving, they're all great. But my favorite holiday, and I've told people before, uh, that my favorite holiday is is Holy Week. Because it it was that week growing up as a kid that struck me to my heart and what it actually means to believe in Christ and understand what he did for you. As I've grown older, I've had many experiences from moving to the United States, from having important events in my life, uh, such as my uncle's passing, uh, also uh, now being you know, close to my grandparents. There's so many different things, little moments uh, that strengthen faith and show that God is with you. And throughout that time, I've grown a deeper relationship with the Lord because I felt it in my heart that now that I am becoming of age, 
I'm about to be 21. So now I have, I have understanding. I have some sort of knowledge about the world and about Christ and about certain events that happen in the Bible and that have happened historically in history following the, the resurrection of Christ. So I have all of these things that I know, but I've never actually taken time to research, to study the Bible, to read the Bible, to understand what the Bible is t- talking about, what it's saying, to understand the saints, to understand the history of the church, to understand the catechism of the Catholic Church. There's all of these things that I've never actually delved into or looked into or researched or gained knowledge from. And that's currently what I'm doing at the moment because I want to now be able to fully understand why it is what I believe. Why do I believe that Christ is who he is and that he rose from the dead? and in the institution of the Catholic Church, which he commanded through St. Peter to form. When he tells St. Peter in the Gospels, you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of the netherworld shall not prevail against it. And why do I believe what I believe? That is the core question. And I've had conversations with many friends who have many doubts or don't believe about this. And I think that served as a wake-up call to me, and that, I think, is God's way of telling me, when you speak with people, you actually need to understand what it is you're talking about. Because experiences are great, and that's great insight and proof of why I want a relationship with you, why, why the Lord wants a relationship with you. But you're going to need to give more specific evidence from, and there's plenty of it, but you need to research it. You need to understand it. You need to have that knowledge in your brain. And I've had conversations with people, and I've realized, although there's a lot that I do know, there is an infinite amount that I don't know. And it's trying to find out as much about that infinite amount of things that I don't know uh, so that I can better defend my faith and also put forth my faith in a way that makes sense and that it really brings people to actually see that what I'm saying is not just a story. The Bible is not just a made-up thing. It's not just something that we've created to make this mythical account seems so real. No, it's not it's not anything that's made up fairy tale land. These are things that actually happened and that there is evidence, both archaeological, historical, written evidence of these events occurring. And that's what I am currently doing at the moment. For example, I've actually in the last, I would say half a year, uh, I've read almost 300 pages of the Bible. I've read the first seven books front to back. Uh, which the first seven books of the Bible are Genesis, Exodus, uh, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, uh, the book of Joshua, the book of the book of Ruth, Judges, Joshua, Judges, and Ruth. So eight. I've read 
first eight books of the Bible front to back, and now I'm starting the first book of Kings, also known as the first book of, um, of Samuel, um, which is kind of where it gets to around the part of King David and, and that area of the history of, uh, of Israel. So I've been reading the Bible a lot. I'm also doing a Bible 365-day you know, reading challenge. I don't know if I would call it a challenge, but I want to do it because I want to make it a routine. I want, the, I want reading the Bible to be a routine of mine. I'm also spending a lot of time researching documents, uh, going through YouTube videos, listening to different uh, pastors, preachers, even people from other faiths. And what are their arguments against the authenticity of Christianity? And trying to pinpoint the holes in those arguments, trying to understand the perspective of the other side. So I'm doing all of this research, and this is what I'm doing a lot now in my downtime. And I think it's extremely valuable to me. I'm not saying you need to do the same and maybe go so in depth, but it's certainly something to consider, and perhaps it might it might strengthen your faith and your understanding of the faith and why you believe what you believe, and it will make it easier for you to defend and put forth your faith in a comprehensible manner to those who don't believe or don't see eye to eye. Now, I just wanted to briefly mention that because that's kind of how my upbringing and what my life story has done to strengthen and influence my faith, and that's why it's something that I carry so personally. And even my own my own parents have said that, you know, they they see me. And it's something that I, I truly cherish and it means so much to me. That they see me and how faithful and how deep my devotion to the Lord is. And, you know, my mom was talking to me the other day even she was saying, Well, look, son, I I didn't have that when I was twenty. Yeah, I believed and I, I was a person of faith, but the understanding and the wisdom and the the knowledge which you're gaining about your faith and which you talk to us about, I didn't have that when I was 20. And so that really shows to me that I'm, I'm doing something right because I'm helping my parents grow their faith. My mom just came to talk to me yesterday. And she was telling me, I'm going to start reading the Bible more like you are every day. And that was, you know, that that was something that really, I think, inspires me to keep doing what I'm doing. And it also tells me, I need to do this with you guys. I need to do this with my friends. I need to start Im- implementing and bringing Christ to people because this world needs it. This world is troubled. People are insecure. They have no hope. They don't see any purpose in life. They're lost. They're constantly depressed. They can never see the good side of things and always only find reason to complain. And these are things that I see on a daily basis. From many people that I know, many people online that I don't know, and even just walking around in the world, passing by, and I hear, I, I hear people fighting. I hear 
people not feeling well. Um, and I'm not saying obviously that you don't have bad days because everyone does. I've had many bad days, but the thing is having God there, boy, does that make a difference? That really makes a difference. And you have something to hang on to. You have something to pray to. You have someone to talk to in Jesus Christ when you go through your most difficult moments and he can take it around and turn it into the most beautiful thing you've ever seen. And I have experience firsthand of that. I'm not going to get into that at this moment. But what happened with my uncle and things and events that transpired, which I'm currently writing a book about. So, I want to get back here on track, though. What are some ways for you this year to reach out to the Lord and for you to strengthen that relationship with your loving Creator? Obviously, the number one way is reading the Bible. There's so many ways to do this. You can read the Bible in study groups with your friends. You can read it on your own. You can do a a Bible study plan, which is what I'm doing at the moment, and reading certain passages on a daily basis. And it only takes 10-15 minutes for you to do and reflect on and understand. And do that. And then go back and reread it after some time. Because one thing I've noticed is you read the Bible, you read it over and over again, and every time you catch something new that you didn't understand or that you didn't see the first time you read through it, I was reading the Gospel of Matthew the other day, and I was reading Matthew chapter 5 and 6, which is the Sermon on the Mount, where uh, I'm sure most of you know the Beatitudes. That's where Christ uh, preaches about the Beatitudes, uh, and uh, he preaches about loving your, your neighbor and your enemy, and it's extremely powerful, but there's so many details, so many, many parables, examples figurative language that's used to explain what what God's plan intention for us is and I read through it a bunch of times and every time there was something new that I that I was like oh I didn't you know I didn't catch that the first time and you reread it and you reread it and your brain develops new ways of understanding what Christ is saying uh, and all the meaning that is behind it literally on almost a verse-to-verse basis. It's almost like every verse, there's a whole plethora of understanding behind it. So that's something that I encourage you to do, is to read the Bible. And I would say the most important thing with reading the Bible is if you really want to actually start reading the Bible and, and dedicate your time to that, you need to make it a habit. You need to turn it into a habit. If you pick up the Bible once in a blue moon, well, I'm not saying that's bad, but you're not, you're not really getting much out of that. If you're just picking up the Bible once a month or once in a very, very blue moon and you just happen to read it, if you want to truly get the understanding, gain the knowledge, gain the wisdom, gain the prudence, the book of, it was beautiful. I read it just the other day. The book of Proverbs at the very beginning, it tells us that in order to understand God's knowledge and will for our life, the two things that you need to seek 
like money and searching for a treasure chest as you would on this earth are wisdom and prudence. Those are the two things that you need to seek. And in order to seek wisdom and prudence so that you can understand the knowledge of God, you actually need to commit yourself to that. And you don't maybe have to start reading the Bible every day. But maybe on certain nights, start making it a routine. Or maybe on certain mornings or certain parts of the day. Even if it's parts of the day where you're sitting down, you don't have anything really to do. Take 10, 15 minutes. Pick up the Bible. Read it. You never know what's in there and what page you're going to open to that's going to teach you something. Because there's so much to learn from within the Bible. So that would be the first thing. Read the Bible, find ways to incorporate that into your life, and hopefully you can make that, if not a daily routine, a routine that is often within your daily life or within your weekly life, however you want to make it fit your life, but try to make it a routine uh, so that it becomes so that it becomes natural. And also, it's going to come to the point where now I've been reading the Bible for so much, I don't see it as even a quote-unquote routine. It's, I go to bed or during the day, I have time and I'm like, I'm going to go pick up my Bible. I want to read and see what else is happening in here. I, I want to find out more. There's this like urge inside of me that's like, I want to go read and learn more. And that's the point that you need to get to. So that's number one. Number two, I'd say prayer life is extremely important. Uh, and this is praying, whether it's in the mornings, in the evenings. I want you to think about prayer as a conversation with God. This is literally the way that you speak to God. You tell him what your day was like, what are your concerns, what you're happy about, what you're not happy about, what you would like changed, what you're thinking about. Or what are you nervous about? Or why were you sad today? And talk to God about that. He's there. He's listening. Jesus is always listening. He's always listening. He's always present. I remember a few nights ago, probably a, say maybe about a week, week and a half ago, I was, I was praying and obviously I'm not going to disclose what I was talking to God about specifically, but I was asking for signs about certain things that were going on in my life and, you know, I, not really reassurance, but more so, um, I know that I'm going on the right way, but God, I know that you're here and present and, you know, I love to see when you show up in my life and when you actually with signs, literally prove to me that you're right there walking with me. And I woke up, and this is what I prayed the night before, and I prayed the morning of. An hour later, I got in the car, drove to my grandparents, and at the stop sign where my grandparents live, right next to their development, not even an hour later after praying and speaking to the Lord about this, there was a sign in the grass that just said simply, is this the sign you were looking for? Dash God. I read that 
and I started to tear up. It was like the most beautiful thing. And it's the littlest, sometimes even the most unimportant or maybe the things that don't don't seem important or the things that seem so, you know, meaningless. And that is an example of how if you start to trust in the Lord and put your heart to him, give your heart to him, you will see how God impacts your life. You will see how God starts to enter your life. You will see how God works through your life. And that's one of the biggest reasons that I encourage everyone listening to start making it a routine and a habit of speaking with the Lord. There's so many different ways to pray. There's traditional prayers. There's modern prayers. You can just talk as a normal conversation. There's so many different ways to pray and speak to the Lord. And even Jesus tells us, when you pray to the Lord, you don't always have to make it lengthy. You can talk to the Lord as much as you want. But that you can also be just as effective just speaking for a short amount of time to the Lord. And what I mean by this is Jesus in his, on, in his Sermon on the Mount, in the Gospel of Matthew, I think it's chapter 5 or 6, but it's right before he introduces us to the Our Father and he tells us how to pray to God and he speaks the Our Father. But right before that, Jesus tells us that you don't need to tell me all of your wants and your needs every single time you pray because God already knows what it is that you need and what it is that you want and what's on your heart and what you need help with and what you need guidance for. He already knows all of that since before you were existing. He already knows that. He already has that plan for you. You just need to trust him and say, God, I trust you. Sometimes in the mornings, I will just go, God, purify my heart today. And may I just, in whatever I do in this day, which you've given me, which is a gift from you, because I get to live today. I get to breathe. I get to, I get to praise you. I get to, with my actions, give glory to you. I pray that I may do that throughout the day and that you may purify my heart so the Holy Spirit can enter my conscience and it can lead me throughout my day. Something as simple as that. So point being here, there's so many different ways of praying and pray for the world, pray for others, pray for your enemies as Christ taught us. Not just for those you love, but for those who have turned against the Lord so that they may soften their hearts, may open up their hearts to the reality of Christ, to that relationship with the eternal creator. Pray for those who don't believe. Pray for those who do evil because they are also created in the image of God. God created them as well. We need to pray for them as a Christian community, as a church, that those souls that have departed and left their relationship with God, who have turned away, they can turn back because they are also worthy of saving because God loves them as well. Through truth 
And showing love is how we're going to make people see the goodness of God. Not through condemnation and not through putting down or judgment. Let God do the judging and the condemning, as Christ told us. It is our job to preach the gospel lovingly and with truth in our heart so that others can see the truth. So that's what I encourage you to do as far as your prayer life. Next, I want to briefly mention, make church a habit, but make it a habit kind of like I said with the Bible. Make it a habit to the point of, I want to go to church. I want to spend time with Jesus. Not, oh, I have to get up in the morning. I have to go. And look, this has happened to me so many times, especially when I was younger. I was like, mom, do we have to go to church today? Dad, do we have to go to church today? Like, we were out late. We were eating. uh, We were with friends. uh, We were at the beach. We were doing whatever. I'm like, I'm tired. I don't want to get up now and get dressed, go to church. I'm so comfy here in my bed. And now as I've grown older, I'm like, well, Jesus literally died for you. And you're saying you can't get up and go for an hour and go to church? I don't know. That's just what enters my mind. Jesus literally died for you. You can get up and go to church. If you went to bed late the night before, that's not Jesus' fault. That's, that's, That's your fault. That's your life. You made that decision. So, obviously, you need to accept the consequences of that. But more importantly, church should be, I want to go see and be with Christ. That's what it needs to be. And I think think that's something that a lot of people, especially within the Catholic Church, lack in understanding. I see so many Christian churches constantly filled I think it's wonderful. We need more of that in the Catholic Church. In reality, we just need that to be universal for Christianity. People need to go to church. They need to show up. And so often, I see so, so many young people with the religious processions and publicly praying, publicly praying. Uh, in, in Spain for many, when it's on many different religious holidays, when it might be at festivals, um, when there are certain things going on, such as political unrest. I mean, Spain right now, back in my home country, um, right now there's some bad times. There's some serious political unrest, especially in recent history. And people are praying on the streets. So, I'm seeing that, but then the churches so often are like half empty. And I'm like, people are prioritizing other things before God. And that's not the way to go. God needs to come first. And I saw a video recently of, I think it was a mother and her two sons. And she was explaining, I don't remember if it was a, if it was a newscast, but... I recently saw this video and she basically, and it's stuck with me since I've seen this. And she said, I love that my kids play baseball. I love it. I think it's great. They learn so many great things. They learn about sportsmanship, teamwork, 
It's also a way for them to grow confidence in their own abilities. There's so much good about playing sports at a young age. But in my family, we worship God, not baseball. So if there's a baseball tournament on a Sunday, my children's faith is not going to grow by them going to play baseball on every Sunday and missing out of their time with Christ. I tell the coach, no, we have Sunday church. Sunday is family and God time. That's the time we dedicate as a family to our God, to Jesus Christ. Their faith is going to be built off of that, not by going to play baseball during church service. And so I saw that and I was like, wow, isn't that very true? And so many people are placing things before God when they shouldn't be. And that's something that I encourage you and certainly something I'm praying for. I encourage you to pray for it. Uh, But keep that in mind. Church should be, I want to go because I want to be with Christ. I want to speak with Christ. I went to Eucharistic Adoration about a month and a half ago. And it was, I was going to be there for maybe two or three minutes. I stayed there for about 40 minutes, just in front of the Eucharist, talking to the Lord. It was the most peaceful thing I probably did in the last year, if not one of the most peaceful things I've done. It filled my heart with such joy, peace, love, comfort. I couldn't think of anything negative for like the rest of the week almost. Uh, and, and it was just, it was just so powerful. Place yourself in God's presence. It's an unbelievable sensation. You won't believe how God can change your heart if you just literally spend even if it's minutes with him. It really makes a difference, especially on those days when things are not going well, when things are not going your way. Turn to Christ. That's what you need to do. That's the way out. Seek refuge and seek comfort through the Lord. I also want to bring up the point of other sacraments. So I mentioned, obviously, Eucharistic adoration. There's the Eucharist. There's the sacrament of penance, of marriage, right? And all these things, for those of you that are not Catholic, uh, and I've seen many, many people online, social media, YouTube videos, they all point out, oh, it's heresy. We don't get this. Uh, Why do you have this? Uh, We don't need to subscribe to these so-called sacraments that this church happens to say we need to do. Well, we didn't institute that. That was Jesus. The Eucharist was instituted at the Last Supper. The sacrament of penance and reconciliation was instituted when Christ, before his ascension into heaven, tells the twelve apostles, as they're about to go out and preach the good news to the rest of the world, Christ tells them, You have the power from my authority to forgive sins. Those sins which you forgive are forgiven. Those sins which you retain are retained. Christ gives them the authority to institute that mission, which we now in the church call the sacrament of penance. And marriage, you can go back all the way to the very beginning of the Bible. Go to the book of Genesis and you will see that from the very beginning, the institution of marriage is there. 
Marriage is between a man and a woman under the eyes of God because it's a reflection of God. Marriage is actually a reflection of who God is. You might have often heard of the saying, God is love. What does that mean? God is love because God is three divine persons. They're all fully God. But love requires a relationship. So if God was only one person, there's no way to love because there's no relationship. That's where the Son and the Holy Spirit come in. The Father, God the Father, and God the Son reciprocate in love. God the Son came down out of God's love to save us because of His love. And the Holy Spirit is the love which flourishes from God the Father and God the Son. And all of those three, those three persons individually make up God. They're all fully God and all make up the mystery of what God is. That's what it means when we say God is love. The love of Father and Son through the Holy Spirit. And that's reflected in marriage. A man and a woman are bonded together as one in one flesh and spirit. And the love is the Holy Spirit which comes out of that. That's the reflection of marriage, of marriage which reflects the, the, the Holy Trinity uh, of God. So, understand that God is one. We worship one God. He's fully God. But three divine persons, which explains why God is love and why the institution of marriage exists for the human race because it's a reflection of God's love. So we have the sacraments, and I encourage those of you that are Catholic to seek the sacraments. They're a great way for you to strengthen your relationship with the Lord. You will feel connected and at peace with God. I've also been recently watching a lot of biblical movies. Many great movies I've watched. I watched a movie called The Gospel of Matthew, I watched another movie um, of the Gospel of John, and they basically go through, and it's a whole narration of the Gospel, but obviously acted out in you know, theatrical and in a movie setting, and it's beautifully done. Uh, you can go on YouTube and find these, the Gospel of Matthew, the Gospel of John, uh, one of the ones which I watched, and it's, it's a bit lengthy, it's a little over six hours. But it's uh, the movie Jesus of Nazareth, which was directed by uh, Franco Sefirelli, who was an Italian director. And uh, this movie was made in 1977. And it goes through taking all of the biblical accounts, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and puts together a six, uh, over six-hour, basically, story of the life of Christ. It's beautifully done. And it's a wonderful rendition, uh, I think, of, of the story of Christ uh, to watch. So I encourage you to watch those because you can also see many moving scenes. And, and you know, it always makes me think when I watch, when I watch these movies. And I'm, I'm watching The Chosen now. Uh, actually, I was watching it yesterday. And uh, it's, it's quite good. I wanted to see what all the hype was about. I wanted to see if it was as good as people are saying because I've been seeing it all over uh, the news, social media.
chosen, the chosen, uh, the lead actor who's playing Jesus, I forget his name, but he's doing interviews everywhere. So I want to see, well, is it really this good? And it's quite good. But when I see it, I always wonder, I see these movies, these, the, I see, I saw The Chosen, and I'm like, I wonder what it must have been like to actually, like, if you were there present, live, and you literally were looking at the face of God speaking to you, like, how powerful is that? Like, what must have that been like? Like, the feeling after hearing Jesus preach a sermon, walking back to your house, like, what... What would have been the thoughts that were in my brain? What would have I what would have been thinking about? What were the things that he said that would have impacted me? Like, I always wonder what uh, what that would have been like, that sensation. And I'm sure it's a beautiful sensation to have. And um, and, and it's something I always think about. So I, I suggest you you certainly can uh, watch it. It's also a great way if you don't want to maybe sit down and read the whole gospels like you know, and obviously it's going to take time to do that. So if you want to already have a good understanding or knowledge of, of, of what the Gospels talk about and what's in them, watch, uh, watch certain biblical movies. And of course, one of my other favorite movies is The Ten Commandments. Um, I think it was from like the 1950s. It's a probably one of the greatest movies ever made, certainly one of the greatest biblical movies ever made, The Ten Commandments. Uh, it's it's just wonderfully made, and uh, Ben-Hur as well, the original Ben-Hur, uh, is, is sensational. These are all great movies that you can watch and uh, gain so much understanding and, uh, and, and certainly knowledge from uh, about the life of Christ and, and the life of certainly the Israelites and of the Old Testament, uh, and of God's story, right? The Old Testament is God saying, here's how I'm going to save humanity, and the New Testament is how he actually does it. Uh, and it's a great way to learn about that. Now, I would say that also you need to focus on, in order to strengthen your relationship with God, as I mentioned earlier, it's something that you need to actually incorporate. You need to actually be placing God first in your life. Jesus tells us in the Gospel of Matthew during his Sermon on the Mount, you cannot serve two masters. You can't serve two masters. You can't serve one and then go back and serve the other as if you loved both of them equally. You can't serve one thing or the other. You can't serve God and man. You either you can't be 50-50. This is one of the reasons that, for example, I'm not somebody that really likes to go to clubs or excessively drink to the point where I'm fainting or throwing up. And millions and millions of young people do this. But they also say that they love Jesus. Well, I'm like, well, you're not really demonstrating that. See, if you're going to love Christ and you're going to follow Christ, it's not, I love Jesus, it's great to go to church, and then four nights a week, I'm partying and getting drunk as heck, falling plastered on the floor and throwing up and, you know, doing ungodly things, doing things that you know are not what the Lord would want for you to do, but you do them anyway. So if you're going to follow Christ, it means you need to follow Christ and you need to incorporate Christ into your life. That's the meaning of this. 
People are satisfied with these, what I call, quote-unquote, earthly satisfiers. They bring immediate satisfaction, immediate pleasure. They're all temporary. The only thing that's going to bring you everlasting satisfaction, joy, peace, happiness, is the Lord. Christ tells us, you can't worship God and man. You can't follow God and the desires of mankind. Because the desires of God are not aligned with the desires of mankind. Earthly satisfiers are not aligned with the desires of the kingdom. The kingdom of God needs to be priority. God needs to be the center of your life. For example, I used to be somebody, I wouldn't say that I cursed a lot, but I certainly used it probably more often than I should have, especially in high school, just randomly. And even using the Lord's name in vain, probably more often than I should have. And I've realized that as I've grown in faith and, and certainly throughout my time in college. And, you know, I, I do think that it's, it's kind of unattractive to use so much cursing. And I'm like, well, I don't, I don't know if that's really going to be attractive to my parents in terms of, you know, that's something they want to see reflected because your parents obviously want to see themselves reflected in you. And if they're seeing you cursing so often when there's no reason for you to and just using it as filler language, it's not really the greatest impression. And also... You know, obviously, if I want to have, you know, a girlfriend, a wife, I don't think that's going to be very attractive. I don't think, I don't think a future wife wants to know somebody that's constantly cursing and using curse words as filler words or using the Lord's name as, as filler words for, you know, when I can't come up with other words on the fly. And so that's something that I've slowly been working on and taking out is trying not to use curse words because everything that comes out of my mouth should be to glorify the Lord. And, uh, and, and there's no reason to use curse words or foul language uh, when it's completely unnecessary. And, and even in difficult moments, there's, there's no reason to. There's, there's nothing that you gain out of it by using it. So that's, I think, the, you know, that's an example that I'm giving you and uh, something that I've, I've, I've tried to work on. But certainly try to consider the many things that happen on this earth and what it is that you want to align yourself with, with the desires of man or the desires of God. And that's a choice you make. It's, it's, it's a decision you make. It's your decision. But you need to understand the consequences of that decision and what that entails, what that means. Now, I also want to say you need to honor God with your life and look at what he gave you and give back to him. That's why you need to serve the Lord. That's why you need to preach the gospel. God loved you so much that he sent his son to die for you so that you can have eternal life. And that love needs to be reciprocated back in some way. That's why you need to honor God with your life, with whatever you choose to do with your body, with whatever you choose to speak, with whatever you choose to act, however you choose to act, whatever your behaviors are. And God notices that. God notices that and he will be with you and he will 
reveal himself to you in so many different ways if you truly put the interests of the Lord at heart. That's what you need to seek, honoring God with your life. I think that uh, there's also great religious hymns, music that I listen to. I play on the piano as well. I've been gifted with the talent of playing on the piano. Music has been a great story of my life, and I've implemented that um, uh, that that part of my faith to music. And uh, I'm able to play many religious hymns, songs. There's processional marches, which... Uh, are part of the Religious Holy Week processions in, in Spain, which I can play on the piano. Uh, there's also great worship music to listen to. There's so many great young Christian um, musicians here in, in the United States and also uh, abroad that you can listen to, but certainly in the United States, great worship music that you can listen to and uh, certainly give it gives you comfort. Uh, and and I think it's it's a great way to sort of place God in your mind and your heart and and it gives you the mindset uh, of of making sure that you have your priorities in place uh, and God being first uh, and and that's something that's extremely important so I highly I highly recommend that and it's something that I've loved seeing so many young people and we need more of it in the church in Christianity uh, these days singing worshiping, Praying publicly, doesn't matter what Christian denomination you are, it's all valid. God is noticing it. God is there. God is present. God is pleased. It's what we need to do. It's what we're called to do. And worship music or listening to religious hymns is a great way to do that. Secular music, not all secular music is terrible. There's plenty of great music that is not religious that's great. But I think it's something to keep in mind that there's a lot of music, including many songs that I used to listen to, which didn't really provide anything of value to me. Maybe I was just listening to it for the beat. Maybe I was just listening to it because it was a catchy song, but it doesn't really provide anything of great value. And I'm like, well, why am I really listening to this? I mean, this is not really going to help me get closer to God. It's not really providing any value. There's just constant curse words. If I'm trying to not use curse words and I'm listening to music using constant cursing, that's pretty contradictory. So these are things to keep in mind, I would suggest, as, as, as you try to implement that into your life. And I encourage you to, to do so. And finally, I'm going to say to end off the episode, make friends and grow friendships and relationships with people that want to learn about God, that are enthusiastic about God. People that are non-believers, but they see something in you and they see the person you are and how you act. And I guarantee you that's going to pose a question. That's going to pose a thought in their mind. Why are they so nice? Why are they like that? Why do they act like this? As long as people are open and willing to learn about the Lord and understand why it is that you act in the way you do trying to implement God because of your faith, right? That's what I want people to see from me. I want people to remember me, not only for just being a great friend and, and, and person to have as a companion, but most importantly, I want people to remember me as somebody that they were able to see Christ 
and that they were able to grow their faith from. I want to help others reach Christ. I want to help others improve their lives. I want others to become happier, to become more joyous, to have more peace of mind and of heart in their life. And the way to do that is by reaching out to the Lord. It's, again, our job to preach the gospel and love by telling the truth. Love, again, does not mean acceptance of lifestyle. Love means telling the truth by your words and actions. And that's what I'm calling us to do, and that's what Jesus called us to do. That's our responsibility as his disciples. So I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. I really wanted to lay this out because it was on my heart to do this today. And it's my first time ever really going in depth about your my relationship with God and, and the importance of that and why it's necessary uh, to have a successful, happy, prosperous, peaceful, joyous, fulfilling life. And I hope you guys enjoyed it. I'm going to be doing more of these episodes as well. I also want to do episodes where I'm talking about certain biblical passages. And it's something that I really take to heart. And the Lord has brought that to my heart. It's been on my mind now for a while. It was trying to find the right time, the right setting. What do I want to talk about? How do I want to start? Where do I want to start? With what? Do I want to start directly out of something from the Bible? Do I want to start with experiences of mine? Do I want to start with this particular topic of how to incorporate God into your daily life? So that's what I encourage you guys to do. So uh, I hope that you guys enjoyed this. There's going to be more down the line. There's going to be more guest episodes down the line as well. I'm going to be doing more podcasts on new topics and other topics that I previously talked about. And I'm super excited for what this year has to bring. So I hope that uh, that you guys have a great, great new year, that it's filled with joy, lots of good health, good moments, lots of good memories uh, this 2024. And whatever season you're in, I want to make sure that you know that God is with you and that Jesus Christ loves you. That's the important thing. So just to say a quick prayer, I pray, dear Lord, that whoever is listening to this podcast may be filled with your peace, love, and joy. And I pray, most importantly, that they may feel your presence at all times and that they may understand that you have a plan that is so beyond their imagination, that is so wonderful and so intricately made for them by you, O Lord. I pray that they may feel hope, peace, and love in their heart and that when they feel that, they may be able to express that with joy to the rest of the world, to friends, to family, so that they may also complete their mission of being a disciple and preaching the gospel. I pray that you may give all of those listening good health and a prosperous new year. Amen. Thank you so much for listening, guys. I hope you have a wonderful week. God bless. Take care. And I will catch you on the next episode. Peace.